Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you slow down and live in rhythm with Jesus so that you can experience life to the full. I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and I am so glad you're joining us today. If you've been tracking with us for the last couple of weeks, then you know that this month we're talking about the spiritual practice of surrender. Now you might be asking, wait, hey, surrender, is that a spiritual practice? Absolutely. In our last episode, we unpacked why it is so important to want what Jesus wants at the deepest level of our hearts. Because in reality, in our hearts, lie the real motivation and desires of our lives. So if we believe that by following Jesus daily with our whole lives is the only way to experience life to the full, then we have to want what he wants. And that means we have to surrender to what he wants for our life. So that means surrender is not just a one-time thing. It's a daily practice. Now, our team has been practicing daily surrender for a little while, and we want to help you do the same thing. So head on over to the dailyrhythm.org. It's our free one-week digital experience that you've probably heard us talk about and is going to help you practice, develop this practice of surrender in your own life. It's a free resource. We deliver it to your inbox each morning. It's easy. It's profound. It's effective, most importantly. And all you got to do is go on to the dailyrhythm.org, click surrender, and we'll get you set up. Now, today we have a great conversation for you with our friend, Rachel Galzinski. Rachel applied for Encourage in 2019. And I want you to think pre-pandemic, think about all that was going on in your life before this pandemic. And she applied for a lot of the same reasons that most women apply. Easiest way to say it, she was exhausted. Rachel was simply tired and worn out. She was uh, running hard in her job, helping push the vision of her church forward. Uh, And she was in charge of creative programs and live performances. And all at the same time, she had this sort of side hustle uh, as a casting director for an independent award-winning film called The Soldier. But she had all this going on, and in the process, what happened was she neglected her relationship with God. And it wasn't until seeing a video of one of her coworkers uh, who had happened to come to refresh that Rachel realized exactly how tired and how worn out she was. And, And as she was applying for Encourage, a funny thing happened. These two desires popped up in her life. First, Uh, She knew she couldn't keep up this pace, and she desperately wanted a change. The second thing was she started to question whether she should marry her fiancé, and so she had this big question, should I marry the guy? Friends, this conversation is unbelievably rich, and it cuts right to the heart of some really big topics like identity and trauma, and in Rachel's case, nearly being aborted as a child. Kelly and I sat down with Rachel a little while back to unpack her story. And what you're going to find is that there was way more beneath the surface than what she realized. And I think that's true uh, of a lot of our lives. Often we want to know the answer to a pressing question like, should I marry the guy? But what we'll find is often God has something different in mind. He has a different agenda sometimes than we do. And as a loving father, He's going to address these things in our life that need healing so that we can live a little closer to how he's designed us to live. And so what that takes is surrender. 
Give us a picture of your life, the three or four or five years before Sequel, before you applied to Encourage. What was your life like? Hmm. Well, I had recently, about five years ago, I, had, I was probably a year in, a year or so in to moving back to Michigan from Florida. And I... I think somewhere I had kind of been thrown into this really large ministry role that I couldn't believe that I actually had. And I think somewhere along the way, I think I thought saying yes to everything meant saying yes to God. Um, So I just did everything. There was never a no. Um, So it was a million miles an hour. I would... I teach fitness classes here and there. So I would get up at the crack of dawn. I was teaching fitness classes in the morning and then I would run to my job at church. And then I was there until, you know, all hours in the night. And it was just constant. I, you know, somehow I think I thought busyness meant like success and, you know, um, and I kind of was also in an environment that um, bred that. And so it just played into my need to kind of constantly strive for more, more, more. And that meant working until I was burned out. So, and that's how, I mean, that's how my seasons would go. Like, I feel like January would be like this big crash of where I'd like hibernate in my house for, <laughs> you know, three weeks because I was just so tired from a whole year of just pouring in to other people. You know, that's the thing sometimes. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Yeah. You know, running that pace and just crashing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, I've experienced that. Kelly, you've experienced that. Mm -hmm. There's byproduct of that. You know, there's always a consequence for running really fast uh, Mm -hmm. and, and reaching a point of exhaustion. What were some of the things popping up underneath the surface that maybe you know now, but you really didn't know you know, three or four or five years ago. When we go that fast, we're not forced to deal with the things, the heart things that God wants us to deal with. Um, Because I don't, you know, now I know that we're not meant to live that that pace of life, but somehow in our brains, we think we're supposed to. And so, you know, now digging into it, I realized that all of that just stemmed from a whole ton of brokenness that I just was covering up by being busy. So it doesn't that feel like an epidemic in our culture right now? Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we see it because when people come to refresh or encourage or, or get away, we get to help peel back a layer at a time. And often we hear, I didn't know that was there. Well, of course you didn't. <laughs> You're doing all the things, yeah, you right. know, and, yeah. and that could even just be your scrolling. Mm-hmm. You're binging Netflix, you know. It's all the white noise that we like put in our own lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To yeah. to not slow down, to not be quiet. Yeah, because I mean, we all walk around hurting and broken and wounded with all of these things, and we don't want to deal with them. And so you pack a whole ton of crazy, busy lives on top of it, you know, and that's. You know, and I also, that's why I called myself like a self-proclaimed perfectionist because why, why, like, why did I walk around with that for so many years claiming Mm. 
to strive for something that was never even attainable anyway. It's almost like this pressure that we put on ourselves. What were you hoping for? What were you expecting? What yeah. were you looking to get out of this, you know, adventure that you really didn't know a whole lot about? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, that first weekend, I was just looking forward to like getting some rest. Honestly, I think that was a big appeal to me when you're tired and somebody tells you, hey, you can come away and rest. I'm like, okay. Sure. <laughs> Take my money. Sleep <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> like, yes. like, you know. Um, but also, so the timing is really interesting, and that's how I just think God, that God works. Is that first weekend of encourage was um I was recently engaged, and that first weekend, um, I was kind of walking this really interesting line where we had gotten engaged, planned a wedding that had gotten canceled twice because of COVID. But I also was wrestling with some stuff about that, about that engagement and about that marriage. And so walking into that weekend, I think I was hoping. And on a third level, I had, like I had said, I put all my foundation on my job, on my ministry. And then that came to a crashing halt. Um, and I, we had just, my team and I had just produced and made this incredible movie and I thought we were doing it for God and like God's glory. But then really when you realize nobody got to see it or all these things. And so walking into that weekend, I was tired. I wanted to take a nap. I also wanted to God to tell me if he wanted me to marry this guy or not. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted him to tell me, okay, what do you want me to do? I came back to Michigan from Florida. I now put, I've got this job that I thought was what you wanted me to do. And now it looks like you're about to rip that owl out from under me because the world has stopped, you know? And so we have no idea when we're going back correct. to be able to do the thing that we've been doing. Yeah. And so walking into that weekend, I was like, okay, God, what's next? I have a like, lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> like you got to <laughs> yes. tell me then, like, where do you want me to go? Like you told me to come back to Michigan. You told me to take this job. Now what? And I think that was one of the first questions I actually asked him. Kind of walk us through the first experience and then the journey a little bit. The first experience I remember the first night, I was just obviously like really tired, really. I was also tired and exhausted. I feel like my now husband and I had been uh, just arguing about like, he wanted to like, just go and get married at the courthouse. And I just was like, I'm just happy for a timeout from you not being able to talk to me about this <laughs> wedding. Like, you know, I just, I just remember sitting around that campfire and I probably just looked like an old sack of bones because I'm pretty sure my, the bags underneath my eyes were just like hanging down halfway to my head. And I was also like bitter. I think I was a little angry and bitter at God. Um, in one of our first listening experiences, I think I was just too bitter and angry to like really even hear anything. And so I just kind of was, was angry. And so I just, like, I just need to go to bed and not be around any of these. Let's try again tomorrow. <laughs> Let's try again tomorrow. This is yes. not, this is not off to a good start because all these other people are having these really great experiences and I'm not. 
But then the next day, you know, is where I think really after getting a really good night's sleep, um, I think is where God met me in the morning. And like I said, that was one of the first questions I asked him is I said, you know, we've gone through all of this, God, right? This big journey. And now it's all come to a crashing halt. And I don't know what's next. Where do you want me? That's what I kept asking. And he said, here. And I was like, here, that's great. I'm so glad you want me here. I'm here. I came to this experience. I'm sitting here. And then he was like, no, here with me. How about we start back at the basics? Like, how about we start back? Because once upon a time, you used to spend every morning down in Florida on the beach with just me and you and your journal. How about we start there again? Like, Mm -hmm. that's when... We started that journey was back then when they told you to go home and all that stuff. Like that's where he met me. But you've spent the past five, six years without that. When was the last time you spent any time with me? And so then I was like, okay, (laughs) you know, like, what do you say when God Mm -hmm. says, I just want you to be here with me and spend time with me and we'll worry about everything else later. I think about, as a dad to two daughters, sometimes it's like the sim- most simplistic instruction is the most loving instruction. Like, you know, but I want you to solve all these other problems. Let's, let's just start with the basics. And I just think it's a model of, or a, it's a statement of how much he loves you. Yeah. You hadn't communicated with him in any real way in years Mm -hmm. and and And, it's like nothing had changed in his eyes. And Mm -hmm. I love that it wasn't like, well, you just need to do these eight things to get back on track and you need to, you know, (laughs) all these regulations, (laughs) but instead like, just be with me yeah, and then you're going to have what you need. Mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful that he gave you that word in your first experience as well, because had he told you what he ultimately wanted to tell you, You wouldn't have been ready. No, not coming back. (laughs) Right? That's the interesting thing. Uh People ask, well, why is there four experiences? Yeah. Oh, you'll you'll understand at the end. You know, it's hard to hear from God, not impossible, but hard to hear from God when you're exhausted, when you've got all of the noise of the world in front of you all the time, when there's no space, when, when there's all these distractions. And so sort of like, well, what would you expect? Mm -hmm. Is he really going to get to the deepest part of your heart when you've not made any space, when we've not made any space to listen? Of course not. That's why we've got to learn the rhythm of silence and solitude and settling and and listening. But ultimately, he did get to some pretty deep stuff, (laughs) you know, uh, in in some of the experiences. As we moved into the second weekend of Encourage, I got to see God begin to dig up some big stuff in you. It was beautiful, although probably scary to, I don't know, to start walking through those things that maybe you've tucked away for a really long time. So the second experience, we were um, talking about our version 1.0. And Kelly told me to think back to a version of myself that didn't know any trauma, lies, or brokenness. And everybody had really cute stories. 
really cute ones. This is me at five. I wanted to be a ballerina. This is me at 10 and I wanted to be a singer. And I, um, I couldn't find a version 1.0 of myself that didn't know like a lie or a brokenness. So I, um, my mom and my dad got pregnant young and, um, my mom was a beautiful fitness swimwear model and she did not want to have a baby. Um, so she wanted to have an abortion and my dad and both sets of grandparents, uh, fought to let me live and she left. And so I think that for as long as I could remember, all I knew was this little girl that thought, well, you're not worthy of being loved because the one person in this entire world that was supposed to love you didn't. She didn't want you and she, you weren't good enough for her to even stick around and watch you grow up. And that's all I knew, right? Like, that's all I knew at four. That's all I knew at five. That's all I knew at six. I mean, you're talking a little, little, and I, and I had a beautiful childhood. I mean, beautiful. I mean, my parents or my dad and my grandparents, they did an amazing job, but, but also deep down that little girl, even at the tiniest little version also knew she didn't have a mom and knew why she didn't have a mom. So that was kind of a lot to carry. Um, so version 1.0 of me wasn't something I could find very easily. For those that are listening, that's a really hard thing to say publicly. And I know there will be a few people listening to be like, I can't believe you just said that about your mom. But you have a good relationship with your mom now, right? Yeah. I, I mean, God redeems everything, right? And we have a beautiful relationship. And she, in some ways, my mom and I are so similar that I get it almost mm -hmm. like I get it mm -hmm. because if at 24, when I was at the height of my acting and modeling career, if I would have gotten pregnant, then I would have probably panicked too. So there's this pervasive lie. You can't remember a time where you didn't believe it. Right. That was the lie that I walked with my whole life. You, nobody's going to love you. Right. The enemy likes to take those little things, our hurts and our wounds, and spin them. And it was like almost like this coat, right, that I put on. Like, nope, no one's going to love me. So what was that doing to your identity? Like, who is it that you believed you were as a result of that lie? I definitely believed that I was super unlovable. I definitely believed that I was super unworthy. And I think in some ways it, it also drove this need for perfection as well. It shaped me into becoming this, well, if you are perfect, then, you know, in some ways you think that then like you can prove them wrong, the person that hurt you wrong or all of these things. And so I think I walked through my whole life with broken relationships because when, if you believe that nobody's going to love you when it comes to like relationships, I mean, and that's how I felt and that's how I treated people that I dated. Like I just had this mentality of 
no, you really don't love me. No, you're not going to love me. No, you're going to walk like you are going to leave me because that's what people do. It's like a self-preservation yeah. where it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put it all in there right. because I'm going to end up hurt. You're going to end so up it's hurt. It's funny you say that because I just read this the other day. I think John Eldridge was the guy that said it, but he said the way that you care for your heart is the way you will care for others' hearts. And as you're saying this, it's like the example is coming to my mind. Of course, you had a hard time with your relationships with other people because you had a hard time with your relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. If your heart is damaged, you know, it's broken. True for all of us. It's oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It plays out in all. Really in talking all of to us. myself <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> at the moment, but that just brings that right to life. So. I imagine you struggle with a concept that I struggle with to this day, which is grace. Yeah. I know me. (laughs) How could you forgive me? How does that work? You I viewed God like I needed. It was like the better I performed, the more he would love me because it just rolled. I mean, everything rolled into it. And that was how I lived my whole entire life. The, the better you are, the more you do, like the more perfect you look. All of these things, the more people are going to love you for it. And so, yeah, I think I treated my relationship with Jesus the exact same way. Well, look at all these really great things I've done. So you must love me because I've done this for you. Yeah, it was a lot to unpack in weekend two. Um, I spent a lot of time in the woods. But also, here's the thing about being like somebody who strives is I also walked into that weekend being like, I just realized how much it had been shaping my life and how much it had made me into this truly broken person that pretended that she wasn't broken. And then God kept revealing all these other lies on top of that that had been getting worse as I went throughout the rest of my life. And so I just... I mean, I put in... I just put in as much work as I could to break them. And I remember that weekend was probably the very first time I ever audibly heard God tell me he loved me. Um, and when God tells you he loves you, it wrecks you in a good way, like mm-hmm. in a really good way. And he had to take me back and show me who he made me to be before I was even came into the world into, you know, the lies and agreements. So that was a really beautiful thing. And once some of the layers and the lies started coming off, I wanted more. Like I was hooked. I was like the freedom that's coming right now. I want more of it. I want like, I don't care how dark and how painful this is going to be. I just want to keep clawing for, for it. It's, it's like the deep healing that he so desires for us, where I think in my life, I'm like, I really just want to put a bandaid over that and I'm going to leave it and hope for the best. But he's like, I like Kelly, take this off. I want to look under here. I need to put some of this on it. We kind of need to break open this part that's healed over because it's not going to heal right and really get into the deepest part of those. And so I'm watching you that weekend and I'm like, oh my goodness. (laughs) And you're continuing to just walk deeper and deeper, but you were so willing 
to go where he was leading you to get to the root of all of it and allow all that restoration to happen in you. Yeah. So I was like, she might not be my friend when we leave here, <laughs> but it was incredible to watch you just continue. We're like, you're like, I want it all. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to get to the bottom of all of it. Those were the wounds that right I thought were healed, right? I was like, no, my mom and I have a beautiful relationship. I, I think sometimes we go through things, we go through trauma, and we 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 think we deal with it by processing through it, forgiving it, realizing how it makes us feel, but like that's enough. And that was what I had done forever. And I kind of had to like start at square one and think of every single trauma that I had ever gone through that weekend and figure out because I thought that I had dealt with it. I thought that I had forgiven and I thought that that was enough, but I didn't realize how it had completely changed me from who God designed me to be. And especially then you couple that with like fast forward to my teens, I dealt with some like, with like some sexual trauma as well. Like, and so all of that, I had to unpack all of that as well, which was stuff that I sat in therapy for, for years dealing with, but I never let God speak into it. Right. I think that is the pervasive why with so many Christians is I'm forgiven. I have forgiven because I'm a new creation and God has this great thing, which is true, by the way. It's not that that's not true, but the key to the future people don't realize is the past. You have to heal the past. Mm -hmm. We're kidding ourselves if we think we don't have to go backwards and repair the past. I believe that's why so many of us Christians are walking around and we're angry mm -hmm. and we're still broken and we're not living life to the full. One, we're not spending any time with Jesus as a general rule, but two, we're not willing to go back and do the deeper work and engage in the restoration process. And I see it in you and so many other people, but you know, we're talking about you today. The person on the front end of Encourage and the person sitting with us today, it's like, I, you're not even the same person. No. There's a beautiful story I want you to jump to. So you had this a, a line agreement, obviously you broke that, but you came in to encourage with the question of, should I marry <laughs> the guy? So often we say as Christians, but I've prayed about this and God didn't answer the prayer. He didn't speak on this topic. How did you, you're married. You said this earlier in our, in our conversation, yes. you, you married the guy. I so did. tell us a story of how you married the guy. Like I said, when you, when you pick up this lie that the enemy obviously preys on, that no one's ever going to love you because she didn't. So good luck with him because, and the enemy spun that in my life for so many years. And so here I had this beautiful, wonderful human knowing all of my scars all of my wounds, all of my brokenness and loving me enough through it to say, hey, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And I believe God wants me to, too. But somehow the enemy was taking 
he comes like a thief to steal, right? And rob us of our joy. And the enemy knew, I think he knew how much joy would come on the other mm-hmm. side of I do because he took it and he spun it in every single way. Well, you don't see him pray enough. Well, you don't see him do this. Well, you don't see him do that. Well, what about this time? What about that time? And the enemy picked apart our relationship so deeply that I was so deeply even after breaking those lies and and knowing okay I can be loved the enemy was still preying on it he was like okay she broke that now she knows that people can love her so now I'm going to tell her that yeah but maybe maybe he's not good enough like you know then it turns Let's into try this, this over here yeah like he's Let like me come from this direction any yeah. angle he could and so and I think because also my you know, sometimes old habits die hard. I was in this place where I'm also like a a pleaser, right? So I just was like, God, I just want, I want to marry the person that you want me to marry. And so I kept saying like, do you want me to marry him? Do you want me to marry him? And just radio silence. I had also then believed, and this was something that I didn't realize at first that, okay, maybe I can be loved, but maybe marriage isn't going to work out for me. But once I was able to sift through all of that, right? Like when you're getting to like digging through as much as you can, I realized, you know, he he said like, don't you know, like I'm going to bless like your decision by now? Like I'm like, I'm, you've got to just jump girl. Like, you know, like. It's really interesting because I think that we come to those places where we are just stuck. We come in with an agenda. Mm. Please answer my question. And you heard what God had for you when you set down your agenda. Yeah. And that's this beautiful act of surrender. I just want what you want. How many times do we sit down and say, God, I want to talk to you about this. I want you to tell me about this, this job. Should we move? Should we? And he's like, Hey, I actually want to talk to you about this over here. Like, and I believe I'm, I'm like, that's what he was doing all along in your journey. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, he's like, well, there's still this. And I don't want this to be here when you decide to marry this person. And we don't see how they're connected. I just think that is exactly the way God works so many times as he said, I want your heart. And then we'll get to all the other stuff. I'm thinking through the first experience. Hey, would you just spend time with me? Yeah. And then, you know, you, you had this thing on your shoulders, the entire journey of encourage, should I, or shouldn't I, what is my life going to look like or not? And he said, it's not about any of that. Mm -hmm. This is about your heart. Yeah. Let's repair the heart. Let's restore your identity. And then once you surrender, once you clear the agenda, you'll know what the next right thing to do is. Yeah. By the way, for everybody listening, what you probably just heard sounded like therapy or a <laughs> psychology. We're not trained therapists. We're not psychologists. Yeah. But what our team does do is we prepare the table for Jesus to work. Yeah. Jesus, show us what's not true. Help us to see what is true. We're going to believe your truth. Now that we're resting on your truth, what is it that you have to say to us? Yeah. yeah. And in... in mm-hmm with the spiritual discipline of surrender attached to that, really wanting what Jesus wants. So you did marry the guy. So tell us. So 
Our last encourage was a few weeks before my wedding. And um, God just like just did an amazing thing of showing me this weekend. Like, let's talk about how far you've come and the different girl you are and the person that like I've made you not made you to be, but that I showed you that you're made to be. And now like, like, let's walk down that aisle to this beautiful, wonderful man that loves you. And I just, oh man, I, you know, the freedom and lightness that came that day of walking down that aisle, mirroring the man, the, my best friend, <laughs> was just a beautiful thing. And now being married is the best. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best to have a, a person right on my side that loves me and we can fight all of our battles together. And, and I know that he loves me, right? He's never going to love me as much as God loves me. I know that. They fight every day for each other. And so feeling who I am now without all of that baggage is just a, has been such a beautiful thing. And it's just gives me so much more hope for like what's to come. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.